0: On this episode of NC Raw, we welcome Tommy Cook to the podcast. Tommy resides in Asheville, North Carolina, and he is a wilderness therapist at a youth treatment facility in Asheville. He's also a member of the refuge recovery community. During the show, we talked to him about his road to recovery, and we really got in depth and in detail about his what he experienced returning to use multiple times and going into multiple treatment centers and really his outlook on that experience, how that affected him, what really stands out to me is uh, the positive mindset that he has and the positive opinions towards that. He kind of talked about how it, um, he talked about how he doesn't Regret any of that, how that he, it was a learning experience, and he only, his recovery is what it is today because of going through that. He also went into detail about his relationship with nature and the outdoors and what that means to him and really inspired me to kind of get outside myself and slow down and and really like take a look outside and see what this amazing community has to offer us and offer my recovery. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Tommy Cook.
1: I'm just an individual in the Indivisible, connected to God in my physical. Essence of my spiritual presence is visible. Totally leaving you unaware of my mental subliminal. Used to be a criminal, living so minimal. but things have changed in my life, it's going through different intervals. Finding that balance is significantly difficult. Timing is everything, so my timing is critical. Rhyming is literal, the unforgettable. It's why I stand before you impeccably, so presentable. I give respect to you, know that I am respectable. I've always wanted acceptance, is that acceptable? I give the rival, expected to be- He's exceptional and I'm a grown man, handle business like a professional. I get incredible. Leave your conventional, they do stop me from chasing my dreams is going to profit.
2: The opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed. We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals. Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised.
0: Good evening, Tommy Cook. Welcome to NC Raw, brother. Happy to be here. How you
3: doing, man? Good, good. What did you guys do today? Oh, uh, me and uh, my girlfriend went on a hike. Who's your girlfriend? Our studio audience? Yep, the one person in the studio audience, Celeste. Celeste?
2: Where'd you hike to?
3: We went to uh, Mango Falls oh. out in Cherokee. Okay. Yeah. If, you
0: don't, if you don't recognize that voice, <laughs> it's a former guest is filling in for Caleb while he's out on his way. To Oklahoma, running the trail of tears. We have Ginger stream the dream, back on NC Raw, kind of helping us uh, through this thing and talking with Tommy about recovery. So you guys are from Asheville. Me? Yeah. Or you? You, you live from, in Asheville. I'm from
3: Pittsburgh. I live in Asheville now. Yeah.
0: Uh huh. And so you you came out to the big mountains today, to the real mountains. Oh yeah, that's what, what you said. What'd you guys do? What'd you do?
3: Just drove out and did a short hike up up Mingo. Yeah, you beat the storm. Yeah, barely. Well, we got stuck in the storm. We actually thought that we might have left the uh, top roof open, so we had to run out in the rain to make sure that the back window, down, the window wasn't back down to the car. Back down to the car.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah.
3: So, so like
0: um, obviously the outdoors and being active is like a huge part of your recovery. How often do you make it out this way to to check out out what west? We, yeah, the to real ch- mountains. To the real mountains, man. To check out what we got going on.
3: Honestly, I'll stick around Asheville for the most part, um, but I've been in the Smokies a few, a few times. Cataloochee, elk, seeing the elk out there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Smokemont, you said earlier? Smokemont, Parkway out here. Awesome, man. Well, I'm very grateful
0: that you accepted my invitation to come on and kind of share your story and also share your approach with us. Um, looking forward to kind of diving into that. Because I've known you for like two or three years, and I don't know. I know you told your story one night at a refuge meeting, but I didn't make it. So mm, yeah. this, is all, this is all fresh to me. So, Ginger, what's been going on with
2: you? <laughs> I just went on a hike the other day. Yeah? <laughs> Four miles. Woo. It's a big deal. In Georgia? In Georgia, Tallulah Falls. We went down to the bottom of the gorge, to the sliding mm. rock and the bridal veil. And then you climb up this horrendous rock mountain. And it's like 90 degrees elevation. And um, and as you can tell, like I have talked to Kayla before that I'm like working on losing weight and stuff, but I'm not there, like I'm not lean and mean. And that was, and I just had surgery on my hand. So that was like quite a trek for me. Yeah, But it reminded me of my recovery. Like I was at the bottom of it, like praying before I went up it. And as I went up it, I was just like, I remember the times like I wanted to stop in my own recovery. And I, you know, and t- there was times when I was like in tears going up that mountain because it hurt so bad. Mm. And I was so exhausted and so weak. It's like being in recovery, but we get to the top, you know, if we keep going forward. It's pretty amazing for me.
0: Beautiful. Man, you guys are making me jealous. I have not been out like one time this entire summer. We can tell.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's killing me, man. You're like super white and yeah. no beard. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: I did shave this week, but no, I haven't, I haven't been able to get out and enjoy the outdoors. Um, life's just, like, too much going on.
2: You got to stay grounded, though. I know. We we keep what we have.
0: Before we get into Tommy's story, uh, we want to recognize some of our viewers who are doing amazing work in their own personal recovery. So we have a few anniversaries to share tonight. The first is Destiny Burgess Johnson, who just celebrated 11 months a few days ago on the That's 19th. So, we want to give Destiny a ton of love. She sent us a message last week when we were live, and so I missed her message. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I told her I would, I would get her back tonight.
2: So. She's less than 30 days, so one year. Yeah, I told, I told her we'll be doing this ride. again at this time next month. That's we're right. doing it
0: again. So, phenomenal job to Destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also want to recognize Alex Taylor
2: who Alexandra
0: Yeah, today. is celebrating 3 years today. Today. Today.
2: Let's get it.
0: Yeah, so awesome job Alex. And then our third anniversary is Laura Ward who is celebrating 18 months today as well.
2: That's a long time.
0: Yeah, uh, her her anniversary is December 25th,
2: 2016. Wow.
0: Christmas day. Awesome job to all you guys. Keep up the good work. You got an open invitation to one of these mics. If you want to come in and talk with us about your story or your personal approach to recovery and what that looks like. If you, the viewer would like to submit your anniversaries, you can post them on our Facebook page. We have an active post that's running, or you can email them to admin at ncraw.life, and we'll go ahead and give you an on-air shout-out to recognize you for an amazing job well done. We also want to promote any community events that are taking place, right? We want to support our community, and we want to kind of offer you guys, the the listeners, um, what what's going on in the community. So there's a couple of events that we want to share. Uh, The first is taking place on Thursday, um, July 28th. It's a training. It's a Reconnect for Resilience training, and it's a two-day training. It's completely free. It's funded by Mountain Project's um, Prevention Program, and that's going to be taking place at the Jackson County Public Library. Uh, it is a training that offers participants a set of practical strategies to promote well-being in the face of ongoing stress or adversity. So if that's something that resonates with you and you're interested in uh, participating in that two-day training, you can contact Patty Tiberi at Mountain Projects. Uh, her email address is p taberry T-I-B-E-R-I at mountainprojects.org the next few events are a weekend jam-packed of recovery Mm -hmm. in the Cherokee community yeah it's (laughs) gonna be a blast um the first is Thursday July 26th the Cherokee recovery rally is taking place at Cherokee middle school and that's gonna be huge this year um
2: and how phenomenal to have it in the school system to support the kids to bring the middle school and the elementary, you know, and the to high show school, them. yeah, you know what it looks like, what recovery looks like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got a booth out there. NC Raw does awesome. We're going to be kind of recording the show and mm-hmm. talking recovery and sitting down with anybody that wants to to, oh, yeah, to talk with us. To, yeah. Um, so that's Thursday, and then Friday. The twenty seventh is Res Hope Freedom Fest. Res
2: Hope, my boy Caleb. Res Hope
0: is putting this on, and that is going to be essentially. I think they're going to have like some musical guests, mm-hmm. some public speakers, some testimonies. Just a kind of like he talked about barbecue mm-hmm. and all kinds of I'll stuff. Be there. So Ginger's going to be there. Dream the dream. Um, <laughs> so yeah, come dream. out to that. And then lastly uh western north carolina high on hope will be taking place on murphy the 28th so you literally got three days of recovery festivities taking place in in cherokee and cherokee county so
2: that high on hope is phenomenal too
0: yeah i've never been that are
2: tied to um to caleb and caitlin Mm -hmm. and um i've watched it i've seen some videos um in fact the one that they just had in kentucky is where uh, caitlin was baptized so it's an amazing ministry i want to I want to get on that ride. Yeah,
0: I'm going to check it out. I'm yes, going to be there. Yeah. See what stay they got open. To offer. Stay
2: open. I no, appreciate always
0: you am. staying open, Oh, season. yeah, you know That's
2: it. That's good stuff. You know it. That's good stuff.
0: Before we get into Tommy's story, um, Ginger, you have been a guest of the show. Mm-hmm. And you've kind of, like, been down this road. Got any words of advice for Tommy?
2: Just tell the truth. Keep it real. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, just, just keep it real, you know? Um I always encourage people to speak from a place that's real and honest from them. Because when you do that, there's people that identify with that. Like, I was always so afraid to get totally honest because I thought what people were going to think about me. But it's that honest sharing that allows people to connect. And the opposite of addiction is connection. And they need that connection. Mm-hmm. So, and you bring something to the table that's different for so many of us. And um, not just to know the connection in your story, but to know the connection in your recovery, how they can get what you have, mm-hmm. you know, and a different pathway. Maybe maybe someone else has been shoving the 12 steps down their th- program, down their throat, or, um, you know, or they're not really know where they are when they're foundation with um, spirituality. So, you uh, can invoke the opportunity for them to grab a hold of something they can believe in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's, like, what the premise of the show is, yeah. is to really, like, share it, but also really, like, look at what are your skills, what's mm-hmm. in your toolbox, you know, what what does Ginger have that could help me and benefit me? What is Tommy doing, right? Tommy's out hiking every weekend and, like, taking these bomb-ass photos and, like, having a good time, like, and, like, how can I apply these skills to my life to better myself and then, you know, turn around and share it with somebody else. And so.
2: stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. that's big for me. <laughs>
0: yeah. So what's up, dude? I don't
3: know where to start. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's talk about, um, like, where you're from and, like, how did you get here to Western North Carolina? Because uh, you're not a
3: local, right? No, not a yokel.
0: Where are you from? From Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh?
3: Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And uh, you grew up there? Grew up there. Uh-huh. Went to Penn State University. Did you? Yeah.
2: Wow. All right. I went. I lived in Pennsylvania for a while. Okay. Warminster, Southampton.
0: What yeah. was what was life like for little Tommy in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? Like, what what were you into? What were your hobbies?
3: Uh, I played baseball. Did you? Yeah. The first
0: time I met you, you were wearing a Pittsburgh Pirates hat.
3: Oh yeah. I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Pirates fan, I just like to represent Pittsburgh. Your hometown hero, man. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I like about. the city.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I love yeah. it, dude. It's a
3: beautiful city. Yeah. Yeah. What
0: um so you growing up in Pittsburgh, you're base- played baseball in the little league. Um, what was like your social life like? Like uh, at what point did maybe things start to change and what did what did it feel like to you at that time? And then what do you like
3: What do you see looking back now? Freshman year, I would say my identity started formulating more in like a counterculture in in drugs and uh, using and drinking. And uh, I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. Like that community, I felt like I felt like I was part of that community. Like, uh, I wasn't alone. What brought alone. you
2: to that point? I mean, like, what stood out in your adolescence that made you feel as though you didn't belong? Especially if you were involved, like, in sports and stuff like that. Like, what made you feel like the outsider, the outcast?
3: I feel like in our society in general, like, we're not... It's, like, not known to express yourself, and... uh share emotions and share feelings, and from a young age, I definitely felt that. Like, I felt that um, I had a lot of things I wanted to share and a lot of emotions I wanted to express, but there was no outlet for that, really. Um, There was no community to uh, share that with, or, I mean, I didn't go to a therapist or anything like that, so. From a young age, like, um, I definitely felt like just like lonely. You know, like kind of like what you were sharing before, I didn't know how to be genuine. I didn't know how to uh, not be a chameleon, uh, depending on who I was around was the way I acted. I never felt okay with myself, which, I mean, it sounds like, you know, I've heard that so many times in 12-step meetings and in refuge meetings alike, but it's so true. Um, Cause like you said, I couldn't connect with people until I was genuine and uh, okay with myself. It was just stuck in my head all the time, and the drugs worked for a little
0: bit—temporary outlet. But uh, it wasn't a problem because you're able to finish high school.
3: I mean, like, that's very—that's very debatable. Because yeah. yeah, as far as like from
0: the outside, cultural from the norms go, in. but yeah. I mean,
3: I was using heroin and and uh, crack at the age of fifteen. Wow! But. Uh, what? I always kept school as a priority because I feel like if I kept school a priority, then nobody could really if I was getting a's and B's in high school, then I felt like nobody could really be like, Why are you acting strange you know it's like well i get you know I'm getting good grades uh I'm doing well i'm doing what a teenager's supposed to do, which is go to high school.
0: Do you think that you like justified your use with the grades? <sighs> Like I don't have a problem or it's not that big of a deal because I'm successful in school.
3: I feel like it definitely played a part. Um, it definitely allowed it to go on longer, but I feel like pretty quickly I got to the point of, I got to the point of, uh, like I, I was already getting sick and detoxing and, uh,
2: what took you up to the food chain of uh, drugs so quickly, so fast? You know, how did you get from alcohol to heroin and crack at the well, age of honestly, 15? Well, honestly,
3: you know, it's, it was easier for me to get heroin than it was to get alcohol. Pittsburgh's um,
2: huge for that.
3: Yeah, I mean, all we had to do was drive, um, you know, drive like 10 minutes down the road and get heroin. But like when it came to getting alcohol, like it wasn't that, it wasn't that easy. And, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, that was what it was, but in my, like I was from a, you know, fairly wealthy suburb and there was already a fair bit of people at that age using opiates and, uh, cocaine in the high school. So it was just there and it was cheaper than oxys and, um, more available than oxys even too. So at what point did you
0: really like realize that you needed to change something in your life like
3: I went to my first rehab when I was 17. Okay. So and before college. Before college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My senior year in high school, I went to my first rehab. And, and that,
0: was that like by choice? Did you like It was by approach, choice. Did yeah. Did you approach your family to I approached
3: home? them. I mean, it was not a smooth night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, long, long
0: usually doesn't day. tend to be. I don't <laughs> think. Yeah, it was
3: <laughs> a lot of emotion, a lot of fear, and just, um, yeah, intense. What
0: led up to you? One, I ran or... out of money, uh-huh.
3: and I was, you know, detoxing, and I felt like I couldn't go to school the next day without it, and yeah. um, I just couldn't function with without it, and I uh, felt like. You know, I knew I had a problem. Mm-hmm. Like it was pretty, it was clear. It was pretty blatantly clear. Yeah. Uh, no matter how good my grades were, I had a problem, and.
0: But in all all the while, you you maintained the grades. Yeah
3: yeah. yeah, yeah. And then so we told my high school that I had to go to rehab, and I was there for three weeks in a youth program.
0: How how did the, how did you stand with the high school? Like how did they?
3: They were okay. they were cool with it. Yeah, they were very supportive. Um yeah, they were
0: welcoming you back when you returned. And... Yeah,
3: yeah. They kept an eye on me for sure.
0: <laughs> Even more of a spotlight on you. What was um that first treatment experience like?
3: I out of the group of people, like I was the only one that really wanted to stay clean. Mm-hmm. And um like I could tell I knew I was an addict. Like looking back at old journals from that from that time period or like when I went to that first rehab. Like, it it shows how um, kind of, like, self-aware I was, even at that time of, like, this was a major issue and I was an addict and uh, how terrified I was to change Mm -hmm. my life. Um, Yeah. Fearful of
0: what is out there, fearful fearful of what life has to offer. who,
2: Who would and wouldn't accept you if you're saying all your friends still wanted to use yeah yeah this is powerful information for me you know going into the the schools and talking to the kids and i work with kids now and um just i'm just sitting here like wow like we need to talk (laughs) just to understand you know that whole mindset because that's not my story Mm. and um it's powerful Thanks for sharing
0: Mm. at that first treatment center you really kind of grasped what they had to offer and were active. Yeah.
3: The seeds were planted. Mm -hmm. The seeds, Mm -hmm. like, uh, the seeds were planted of like, you know, I was going to test those seeds Mm -hmm. and try to like (laughs) say that they weren't real and what they were saying wasn't real. But like down the road after this, every time I would do things that they, you know, that they talked about while I was there and then what they said happened, I was like, Oh man, they were right. They were right, they and were that's right.
0: that's amazing that you were able to like recognize yeah.
3: that. Yeah, after
0: mm-hmm. the fact, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the seeds were planted, you experienced it, and then you like
2: could bring it full circle. Yeah,
0: brought it back mm-hmm. to that point and could could admit that. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: yeah. like, I'm sure there was a part of me that wished I could have dude, forgot know, everything <laughs> they taught me. Yeah,
0: I know seventeen-year-old Steve would have just been like, "No effing way, man! I Get out of even here!" haven't
2: Started yet? Yeah.
0: Oh man. <laughs> Okay. So what was the transition like getting out of that facility? I remember going the day, back to your
3: life. The day I got like one of the first days I got out, I remember sitting on my stairs. I went to a few meetings and I remember sitting on the stairs, just balling my eyes out, just knowing that At home? Yeah, at home, mm-hmm. just feeling like there's no way I could do it. Like there's no way. I mean, it was just like that battle, like that push and pull battle of like, do I want to stay clean? Am I able to? um am i too young like there's like having a hard time doing it one day at a time just thinking about
0: what do you think looking back now what do you think was missing
3: willingness yeah. just wasn't ready i mean honestly looking back like i have no regrets um you know we'll get into like other relapses down the road and i can honestly say at this point this present moment right now i have no regrets for sure. the relapses that cuz i've learned from them if i was still mm-hmm. in it right now i would be miserable and mm-hmm. regretful and feeling guilty and shame But, um, so at that point, uh, yeah, I just wasn't ready.
0: What was your concept of recovery? What was your, like your pathway? Were you involved with? It was 12 step programs. You walked into 12. step. did you feel being at such a young age, did you feel welcome there and like (laughs) at home or? Uh, honestly, still... at
3: this point, I feel like I can say like it. It was it was getting to that point where it was younger than mm-hmm. it was probably like ten years before that. But um, even now, so it's even a younger population mm-hmm. than it was. What would that be now? Like twelve years ago, ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I felt different then, but that was just my my mind trying to separate me from everybody. Mm-hmm.
2: Our similarities. <laughs> <and other differences. laughs> yeah.
3: Anytime I'm afraid, I will I will look at somebody and I'll be able to see every reason that we're different.
2: <laughs>
3: She'll quote you on some, some, uh,
0: some <laughs> oh, text, yeah, man.
1: Oh, yeah, I know
0: that stuff. Um, so you transitioned back. You were kind of involved in 12 Steps. Went back to high your high school and finished yeah, your degree. graduated. Graduated.
3: Yeah. And then this was like the phase where I tried to convince myself I wasn't an addict. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, drinking every day.
0: Before you went to college or?
3: Before I went to college. Uh-huh, like, uh, drinking every day, doing acid, um, just, just pretty much trying to stay away from cracking like, crack. So and like, I could
0: dabble in the so-called yeah. like lighter drugs. Yeah, or, like the yeah.
3: ones that are more socially acceptable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the other
0: ones,
2: not, not yeah. the hard stuff. And how like you- but
3: my life was just as unmanageable, chaotic. I felt just as alone. Absolutely. Uh, waking up with shakes, uh, just couldn't eat.
0: Were you aware of this at that time?
3: There was a part of me, you know, there was definitely a part of me that every time I would, like, get some clarity and, sobri- like, sober moments, I would be like, damn, like, this is not working. But I wasn't willing to to stop at that time.
0: How far is Penn stayed away from where you grew up? Two hours. And so you packed your bags and you went to college?
3: Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's where I really discovered, like how much different the people I surrounded myself were than the general population. Um, Because my whole reality was, like, I was surrounding myself with alcoholics and addicts the whole time in high school. So when I went there, like, at orientation, I brought, like, whiskey and Coke and a water bottle. (laughs) And I was like, everybody's going to be drinking. It's college, man. Yeah, Yeah. it's Penn State. State. Like, people drink morning, midday, and night every day, right? And that wasn't the case. And it really made me realize, like... Kind of how delusional I was. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and Penn State is an extremely higher academic college.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you studying? I was gonna be a history teacher, and then I caught a record, so I changed that. Okay,
0: so you had to run in the law with the law in between these.
3: Yeah, yeah. I got a uh, distribution charge mm-hmm. of, uh, yeah. Gotcha. Went uh, to jail up there
0: at Penn State or in. Back
3: home at penn state,
0: okay
3: how did you graduate? I didn't graduate yet at that point, okay, yeah,
0: so did you have a moment of realization while you were there? so this or is was what like court ordered <laughs> so yeah. actually,
3: I had nine months clean by the time that they uh called me um and said that like you have to turn yourself in, so after my sophomore year at Penn state, uh I was strung out again. I found, you know, my opiate users out there, and you know, got really, just bottom, and I went to rehab again. Same rehab, but adult program this time. And um, that's uh, this is the beginning of two and a half years of okay. continuous sobriety. Um, but whenever I had nine months, Penn State called me and said we have you selling uh, MDMA you need to turn yourself in and uh so yeah that that experience really showed me how supportive the community was because I still have all the letters that people sent me in uh 12 step fellowships whenever I was in jail wow. and they thought I was famous in there because every day I'd be getting like Stack two letters out. from people yeah. and uh it definitely made me feel really good cuz i mean it's super lonely in there every mm-hmm. day yeah How'd you spend your time in there? That was like the only time I was able to get a bunch of muscle was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was. I mean, that's all. That's the only way I could sleep was if uh, I was, you know, wore out. Wore out, <laughs> yeah. Like doing pull ups and push ups and playing basketball all day, and reading. You know, reading the the, um, you know, different different recovery books and different just books.
0: Do you think that were you committed to?
3: change at that time i was yeah i really was but the thing was is like i did that whole one two three shuffle i still wasn't ready to share some things about childhood and some like uh just like thoughts about just feelings about um just confusion I, i wasn't willing to share certain things at that point um
2: and by that one, two, three shuffle, just so people can identify your time at the first step, second step, third step, shuffle, like just going repetitively over that and never yeah. never giving yourself and submitting to the fourth step, uh-huh. making a fearless and moral inventory.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Just so people can identify. What, yeah.
0: what other consequences were attached to this arrest? Was it just like jail time? Did you? Probation. Probation. Yeah. Was I was
3: it? able to go back to Pittsburgh, though
2: okay,
3: yeah,
0: were you able to you
3: fulfilled the obligation with the probation officer? I did, yeah,
2: okay. you got to go back to college
3: I did end up going back to college, yeah, and then uh and then you know sooner or later the one two three shuffle um the- i mean I think the biggest thing like doing the one two three shuffle is knowing that I'm avoiding something yes. and knowing that like I'm not. Like every day I'm like, I should be doing that. But instead I'm avoiding something. So I can't be at peace. I can't feel serene because I'm avoiding. Mm -hmm. And um, I had people in my life who like I could have done my, you know, fist step with and, uh, but I was just too afraid and too much shame. Um, Shame is like the big thing. Shame is the thing I felt where I was just like, something's wrong with me. And if people know what's going on with me, like they won't want to connect with me anymore.
0: Were you ever able to overcome that? Yeah. In this attempt? Did you ever like, in that attempt? No. Yeah, no. So no. when
2: when was that point when the consequences and the situation and the, the inability to get into a place of total surrender had you in so much chaos that you were like, I'm going to have to break down and do this because that avoidance is part of the pattern that you identify mm-hmm. in that fourth step. Yeah. And that's where the freedom and the power comes from is in that step. So when did that happen for you? Um, what did that look like?
3: Honestly, it got to the point, it, it brought me to the point of recognizing it was either die or mm-hmm. um, get, get, get honest and uh like that really was the point I had to reach it was uh it was like these secrets will kill me
2: yep
3: uh the shame will kill me and um I think for me like uh, that's the point I had to get to you know it would be nice to say it it didn't have to get to that point but It felt like it did.
2: So what happened for you after you did it, though? Like, there was the fear, but then what really, truly happened after that fourth and fifth step?
3: Everything changed.
2: Absolutely.
3: Yeah. I mean, not instantly, but that's what opened the door to allow my um, life to expand and grow Mm -hmm. and for me to connect with more people and um, start really enjoying life. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I I think that from the outside looking in... The beauty of your story is to hear you say that as a child, you're so you know, you've got these emotions and these feelings and these things you want to share and you don't have an outlet mm-hmm. and the freedom and the power that comes from that step that now brings you an outlet mm-hmm. like that's beautiful Yeah, because it seems like to me that once you process what I'm hearing is that once you process that step, you were able to to bring forth those emotions and, and your creativity and your ideas and, and feel comfortable with what you were sharing, not just verbally but written or in in whatever avenue you choose to express it, you had the ability to now – now you had the community to express it in and you had finally gained the power and the freedom to express it. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. It's
0: huge, man. So you graduated from
3: Penn State? After I got – so I got – I relapsed. Went to three more rehabs, mm-hmm. um, and then got cleaned, did my fist step, and um, I did graduate. Yeah, Bam. I got my. I went back to Penn State and um, lived with my cousin out there. He was living out there. Went to meetings when I was there, got a community, and um, did they
0: have a collegiate recovery program? Something like I believe they here? did, but mm-hmm. I was
3: just doing an internship, so I wasn't that involved with the school. But I just went to the 12 step meetings out, Good. um, yeah. And then right after that, I I didn't know what I wanted to do. Well, what was the degree in? Psychology. Psychology. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I changed to psychology after I got a record.
2: A lot more forgiving community. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) They understood my record a lot more. I've learned that myself. They still do. Mm -hmm.
3: And uh, so I didn't know what I wanted to do. Kind of just didn't know what kind of job I wanted, where I wanted to live. So I bought a bike. Well, I went to San Diego. I bought a tour bike, and then I just started biking north.
2: Like a riding bike, like a ri- like, a pedaling like bike. bike, bicycle, like a bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wow.
3: And I went all the way to Seattle from San Diego to Seattle. Yeah. How long oh did that take? That took like four months.
0: Were while you were on this trek, mm-hmm. um, were you like active in the twelve step communities along the way? Were you like engaging with?
3: Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of meetings I would go to, they would be like, do you want to speak tonight? And that because what this trip really gave me uh, or, like, taught me, I mean, it taught me tons of lessons. Yeah. Um, just being out there, like, in the elements with just a bike. Um, Did you have, like, experience, like? Not really. No? Well, I lost my license for five years.
0: Okay, so you had experience. I
3: lost. I had experience biking. I knew how to ride a bike. Yeah, uh-huh. But I lost my license for four years and I was like, Well, I wanna see the world, so I'm gonna go buy a bike and see the world? What and bike legally. Hold
0: I on mean, <laughs> though. Let what led up to you like wow. deciding to go to San Diego? What was it about the West Coast? Like what? You just wanted to travel, you wanted to see what's out there. And did you have this plan of getting on a bicycle when you got there?
3: Yeah, I already knew I was gonna do that. Okay. I knew I was gonna bike. Okay. I had a friend in San Diego and um yeah, he just, I just went down there for a week, bought a bike, and just started going. I really don't think. I mean, I knew people that bike toured in the past, mm-hmm. and so they kind of inspired me. And I think a large part of it was just not having the, um, not having the license.
0: Were you alone throughout this trip? Did you? Yeah,
3: but I definitely met people.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you were traveling mostly like. Yeah. It was just you, you and a bike.
3: Yeah, but I knew people. Wow. I mean, that's what, you know, 12-step programs have done for me, too, mm-hmm. is now I know people all around the country. The so.
2: broader the base, the higher the point of freedom.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I felt supported out there. And uh, But I was doing couch surfing, too. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one thing that that trip really taught me, is, like, to trust more in, like, in humanity um, mm-hmm. and, like, just see how people would just want to bring me in and just, like, feed me. And, you know, even though, like, I had, you know money. You had and, it what you needed, but yeah, yeah. But like they just really enjoyed to help and like connect with somebody who was traveling and mm-hmm. um So you'd roll up
0: t- with your bike
3: to a twelve
0: step meeting and they'd be like, Hey, do you want to speak tonight? And you'd get up there and speak and then they'd be like, Hey, you need a couch to stay tonight? And yeah. That happens. Next, next thing you know they're cooking mm-hmm. you dinner and you get up in the morning mm-hmm. and you roll on to the next town. Yeah. How long was this
2: trip? How many it days? It was like
3: four Three four months. Four months.
2: Did you move every day, or did you stay a couple nights, or maybe a if week I liked somewhere? the town, I'd stay a couple nights. Yeah, like San Francisco, I night. stayed
3: a week. Yeah. Um.
2: Kind of checked it out and. Yeah, some of them nice. I would
3: want to get out of really quickly.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can understand that. Dude, that's
0: awesome, man.
3: Yeah. That's
2: cool, though.
3: What uh What was the, the end? What did the end look like? I ended up in Corvallis, hmm. Oregon. Um. Still had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, after traveling that long, like. You wanted to keep going, didn't you? Yeah, you're just like, okay, so my life's about to get really different. Uh, I don't know what to do next. Um, so I was going to stay in Corvallis, but I set intentions on Asheville, actually. Like, before I even went to. Um, did my bike tour, like, Asheville was just calling my name. And. Um, How did Astro get on your radar? How did that
2: happen, yeah.
3: The mount, like the mountains, and I, I think just like the, the healing. Uh, Had you visited how it's known the to be.
2: area
0: before? Had you no, I just hiking? saw pictures. No,
3: yeah. Yeah, I just saw pictures. Mm. I, I don't know. It was just one of those things, you know. Just like, uh, just knew I was supposed to be here, mm-hmm. and it fell in my lap. Honestly, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I I called uh the wilderness program four circles, and uh, got an interview, and I flew there from Corvallis. Got the interview, and then I flew all the way back to Oregon Mm -hmm. to see if I got the job. And then, you know, without a license, like, this whole process, moving across the entire country. Um, And then, so I got the job, and I I moved to Asheville with just, like, three backpacks. Um, Where is this infamous bike sitting right now? It's at my house. You got it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. you, I got a license now, so I yeah. don't drive a,
2: we, we or need ride it. A, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He how, needs to be on the bike for his episode. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah.
0: How, um, how quickly did you get your license once you, you got here at Astro? Because there's not like... it's. Like, it was
3: two more years. Two years? Okay. Yeah. Asheville needs better bike lanes for yeah. sure.
0: <laughs> so you rode that same bike for two more years. Oh, yeah. Back and forth to work. It'll and... last
3: forever as long as you just keep on oh, yeah. keeping it up. Certainly. It's a steel frame, so...
0: Yeah. What was the transition into, like, the wilderness program and, like... It was
3: perfect for me at the time because uh, it was still kind of that, like, unstructured, kind of, like, drifty, uh, because it was a week-on, week-off schedule, and um, I loved the job. Mm -hmm. Like, it uh, gave me lots of purpose, uh, learned things every week, built my passion for wilderness, just... uh, watching people transform in wilderness is, uh, it's it's different. It's a different path than going to a typical treatment center. Like.
2: I have no idea what that's like. Like, so, paint me a picture of that.
3: Okay, so on the work side, I go in for a week um, and then we get an itinerary at the beginning of the week and we'll go around the Pisgah National Forest out here and have a group of maybe like seven guys and every night we do a, a night group, um, where they share or hold a meeting. Uh and they're all in early recovery from addiction. And um Did you have a base
0: camp or did you kind of move
3: They have like a, a base camp, but uh every night we would we would move, mm-hmm. except for the last two nights and that's when their therapist would come out. And through all the elements, um, you know, days year round. Year round, mm-hmm. yeah. And Just sitting in that just builds so much character, and um, because feelings come up. I mean, fear, and um, just like, especially for me, I'd like I was kind of like heading a group, so I'd be like, "Am I making the right decision?" Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I had to stay calm because Mm -hmm. if I if I panic, then like for sure they're gonna panic. You
2: can't be the craziest person in the (laughs) room.
3: Exactly. Yeah, they're not gonna (laughs) hold the (laughs) group. Before you
0: went on this big long bike trip. And then moved here to Asheville and got into the wilderness therapy. Um, you were passionate about outdoors and being mm. in nature and stuff. Did you have experience?
3: We went camping a few times when I was young.
1: Uh-huh.
3: But um, I think just the the purity of it and just the beauty of it is what really attracted me to mm-hmm. it. The peace. Uh, yeah, just the peace and the perfection, the balance Everything about it just uh, attracted me.
2: I see you really trying to wrap your mind, Stephen, around how you get from just living in a suburb to going on a bike tour. No, I think, so. <laughs> in I the think elements, it's the elements. But the elements from California to Oregon are snow oh, yeah. and ice and rain. Yeah, what time of and year was this? Sun?
3: It was warm because There's the coast. Snow, yeah, but okay. the coast stays pretty, uh, pretty. pretty temperate the so whole you time. you stay close to the coast. Yeah, I didn't go too oh, far inland. Okay. okay. Yeah, I kept it. But the wind, I'll tell you, the wind, that that changed the bike ride for sure.
0: <laughs> how how did your personal recovery evolve as you gained this experience as a in wilderness therapy? See
3: that was the I mean, I've never been asked that before because I feel like as a person, um, it of like it helped me grow in a lot of ways like build Mm -hmm. confidence and lead groups and um uh, make decisions on Mm -hmm. the fly and stay calm and uh, be compassionate even to people that are like really frustrating and it's freezing outside (laughs) and our boots are frozen (laughs) and like you know so staying compassionate whenever my boots aren't frozen now is like a little bit easier Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but the thing was is like that week on week off schedule Really detached me from my personal recovery program.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, How did you spend your time off? I went to meetings for a while at the beginning, um, and then I never got a new sponsor when I moved. When um, you moved here, when I yeah, okay, and I never d- dove back into like a program.
0: Not actively, you're just showing up to meetings. Yeah, like it
3: was so hard, like showing up and like meeting somebody and then being like, "All right, I'll see you in two weeks." Because, because I would go knew in the be woods gone first yeah. yeah um and i ne- I just never stayed on top of it, so I do have one more mm. relapse in my in my story, what led up to that um, it's kind of a it's like it was definitely unique, like it was way de- it was it was different than my ones for me personally, it was different than my ones before because I didn't feel miserable and I didn't feel like. Depressed, or um, I was just delusional.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I didn't think I was an addict anymore, and I wanted to see. <laughs> I wanted to see what would happen.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, and I actually ate mushrooms for the first time, and uh, just thinking like it was gonna be like a spiritual, spiritual. experience. Uh-huh. And uh, and I've talked to a lot of people who have had that similar thought well, yeah, pattern. I
0: mean, I'll be honest with you, dude. I've had this conversation with other people yeah Um, myself personally I mean we talked about we were talking earlier about like the podcast that we kind of share a common interest in and like that's a topic that comes up often and like you know
2: what mushrooms
0: yeah, yeah. and I've had like some well, I never some people some first. close friends like people like that I'm close to Courtney being one of them like check me I'm like hey you know James being one of them like hey like Kind of like kicking this around. Like, what do, you, what do you think? How do you think this would end up? I didn't do You're it like Steve, a spiritual your... experience. I know that. <laughs> yeah. So, but
2: I know that any mind or mood-altering substance, like it's taking you to a place where your mind is uh-huh. altered extensively. Oh, yeah. And, yeah.
3: Dude, I want to know what the experience was like. <laughs> it was horrible.
2: I yeah. sat in the bottom of my driveway yeah. for 45 minutes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think it was... Uh, what did you
0: feel like? Was it because like, you felt guilty horrible.
3: and stuff? Or was it? I just, I, I don't think I need that. Like, yeah. I just don't need. Uh, yeah, like I'm at a point now where I I just panicked. and mm-hmm. I felt like I thought I was going to die. And uh, I was happy when I didn't die at the, at the <laughs> end. <laughs> but that, like that, eating that opened up the door because I felt like I couldn't share that with people. So then uh, uh, I ended up drinking and mm-hmm. um and then that went on for a few months, and then in and out recognizing like the drinking was um, becoming a problem, in and out for like nine months, and then it brought me back to say, well, I might as well just do the opiates. And I did that for a few days. And uh, so before I got strung out, I went to San Diego on a, on a road trip just to clear my mind. By yourself? No, me and my cousin. Okay. Um, and we visited my friend Alex. He was like, you know, one of my best friends in high school and in recovery. And he moved to San Diego to get clean. And um, so, two days after he left, he relapsed and he died. And uh, so, part of me, like, it's just because it, you of, out there
2: using with him? No, we were clean. Were clean. Yeah, I went
3: out there to. Um,
2: so it sounds like you went back to what you knew worked, because when you went there, you stayed clean. Yeah, you rode the bike.
3: Yeah, and mm-hmm. I uh, I knew I had to just, I knew I had to get away and just kind of change my surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got on with a few people. And so that hit me hard, like instantly just really raw right away, like detoxing a little bit still. Um, the detox wasn't bad because it was only a few mm-hmm. days, but just the rawness of recognizing well, just what did. just went down yeah. and that he just passed away. Um so I actually made my my clean date his his uh the day that
0: he did, passed uh, away. Yeah. There you go. And Not uh vain. yeah. What did um when you returned to Asheville, what what type of action did you take?
3: I dove back in. Um I dove into
2: So that was a motivator for you.
3: Yeah, I don't know like I don't know how much of it I think that him passing away definitely did play a part, maybe, but I think at the same time I was like really aware that if I didn't change things, I was gonna continuously relapse. Um, but it it did it did motivate me to a degree.
0: Where did your job stand in all this?
3: I quit the job at Four Circles because mm-hmm. I recognized that uh, um, I recognized that. That week-on, week-off schedule just wouldn't wouldn't fly anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to go to meetings every day for a while. That's mm-hmm. right. And uh, so I dove into 12 Step and I dove into Refuge.
0: How did you discover Refuge Recovery?
3: I discovered Refuge through... Um, I forget where I saw it, honestly. I think it's just from being in 12 Steps, uh, people would mention it. Yeah. And um, I read a lot of Buddhist books in the mm-hmm. past and... Kind of like nature, like meditation has always just been something that like I knew internally was like good. Like I've never doubted. Like meditation might not be good for you. Like I never, <laughs> I never like. I'm sitting
2: there yeah. going, I wish I could meditate more. Uh,
0: yeah, wait. it's it's. Uh, By the time we finish this conversation, you'll be sitting on the cushion with us. So uh, we're gonna burn a quick timeout, get some fresh air. It's getting a little toasty in here. We at NC raw would love to play your music. If anyone, you know, in recovery is making music related to recovery or just music that uh, shares a positive message, submit your work to us and we will play it during our breaks. We're going to go ahead and play a track from a past guest. One of my homeboys, Alvin Hooks, Notes, uh, was on the show a few weeks ago. He was our first ever live performance. Ginger, you missed the live performance. He broke it down. So um, he's a rapper out of Asheville. So oh yeah, I gotta see that. This is "Who Am I" by Notes.
1: Hey. I don't care what they say about me. This is what I do. This is who I am. What I wanna be. I don't wanna lose. I'm not gonna lose. I got something to prove. What I gotta prove, bro? This is who I am. Look, I don't care what they say about me. This is what I do. This is who I am. What I wanna be. I don't wanna lose. I'm not gonna lose. I got something to prove. What I gotta prove, bro? This is who I am. Look, in my life I done done things. I spent time in that cell. Ain't no need to make no phone calls. Nobody made my bill. Man, to me, this is my life. I ain't got time for no leader. Got my pen pad and my paper. That baseball for my speakers. I done time in that street. Why I dedicated my life. And I gave into that gunpowder, that game banging that life. And I realized in the long road that my soul something I'm going write. And I found out that hard way. My boy died that night. And I started using that powder, mixing up that water. Next thing I know, I got three sons and a daughter. Now look, your boy, no front in it for the long haul. Came a long way from doing dope in the alley, y'all. Like a man, thinking like a grown man. Everything I do today, building for my future, fam. I got tunnel vision. I can't fail my mission. And in my circle, all my homies, they be about their business. And I'ma keep it pushing forward like it's 14 inches. And I'ma go and get it. That's the way I'm gonna achieve it. And they gon' talk about me like they been around me. Maybe once for a time, but they forgot about me. We did time together, played ball together. Now I'm doing better. You can say whatever. And your boy knows it's gonna stand tall I don't care what they say about me. This is what I do. This is who I am. What I want to be. I don't want to lose. I'm not gonna lose. I got something to prove. What I gotta prove, bro? This is who I am. Look. I don't care what they say about me. This is what I do. Yeah. This is who I am. What I want to be. I don't want to lose. I'm not gonna lose. I got something to prove. What I gotta prove, bro? This is who I am. Look. This is me, nigga. This is, this is who I am. At nights
0: when I like scheme on the million dollar plan. But I can't let you know me. It snakes up in that land. The same niggas besides you passing that blood in they hands. Trust me, nigga, I know. Trust me, nigga, it shows. Everybody turned to foes. It got me clenching the f o f o. Thought I made it out the gutter. Thought I made it out
1: the struggle. But niggas want me dead right now. Off that muscle. Let me catch you. I'ma bust you. Shit, you better shoot first. My pistol already loaded since before this verse. So much pain up in my soul. Sometimes I get that that the curse. Lay that pain
0: in these words, and it's the best shit you heard. And lay that clip in his dome. If he threatened my home,
1: fuck that right from that road. It's just the road that I'm on. This is the light that I chose. Just never shit where you sleep. ten down with them toes. Yeah, nigga, this is me. Hey, look, I don't care what they say about me. This is what I do. This is who I am. What I wanna be. I don't wanna lose. I'm not gonna lose. I got something to prove. What I This is who I am, look, I don't care what they say about me, this is what I do, this is who I am, what I want to be, I don't want to lose, I'm not going to lose, I got something to prove, what I got to prove, this is who I am, look.
0: Welcome back to NC Raw, finishing our conversation with today's guest on the podcast, My man, Tommy Cook.
2: Finding out all about refuge recovery. I cannot wait.
0: Yeah, so we kind of left off. you um were're getting back into the swing of things with um, twelve step recovery, Narcotics Anonymous community in Asheville, and you shared that you found or discovered Refuge Recovery and kind of became involved in that community. What was it about that um, community that interests you? And then, like, did you have any prior meditation experience before you walked into your first meeting?
3: I tried to meditate a bunch of times, Uh but I never could. Um, The pain... uh, Sitting still is hard. Uh, (laughs) Amen. You know, a lot comes up sitting still. And, um, I really didn't have too much experience. Uh, I read a lot of Buddhist books, like I said, so I really, um, resonated with a lot of the belief systems and the, uh, you know, just the way that they looked at human beings. And, uh, but no, I never had too much meditation practice prior.
0: Did you have any expectations walking in?
3: Um. Well, you know, like I said before, anytime I'm afraid or in a new situation, I judge the hell out of everybody. So <laughs> <laughs> I was judging everybody.
2: So is it just a 12-step meditation? Like, are you sitting on pillows? <clears throat> are you sitting in chairs? They have pillows in Ashram.
3: We don't have pillows
0: yet here. But some, well, some,
3: it's at different locations. We right. have... Um, uh, it's actually different inventories. It's not 12 step uh, affiliated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still it's still abstinence uh, program. Um, but most meetings it's a, all meetings we meditate before. Uh, most meetings is 20 minutes. and um, I think that that's what attracted me the most to refuge is after you meditate with a group of people for 20 minutes, the space changes, um, the room that you're in changes energetically um, and you feel safer with those people and you feel more connected to them just by being silent with them for 20 minutes. Um, or it's a guided meditation, but sometimes I can't even pay attention to the guided meditation. I'm just <laughs> I'm just sitting there quiet and still. Um, and I've noticed for me, like after I sit for 20 minutes, I feel more in my body and uh not as stuck in my head um I feel more of like my genuine self and whenever I share it's not like I'm thinking about what I'm going to share as much it's more just like whatever comes up I just uh I feel safe to just say it um
2: so what does that look like okay so I've never been to a refuge recovery meeting. so I want to go to one and I have a hard time sitting still for 20 minutes Like, Mm -hmm. what did that look like when you first went in? Like, were you able to sit there quietly for 20 minutes? Were you like, is this ever going to end?
3: Yeah, I think that that's the big misconception with a lot of people with meditation is uh, people think they're supposed to feel good when they're meditating, like instantly. And like, it's supposed to be all peaceful and no thoughts. And uh, for me, that's still, even though like I meditate, you know, just about every day, um, it's still hard to meditate. It's still not like the easiest thing to get into a peaceful spot. But I recognize that whenever I do meditate, the rest of my day seems to flow easier.
2: Do you start your day out that way?
3: I've gone through periods of doing that and I've I've lost that practi- practice actually, um, of doing it every morning. Uh, yeah. So now I've just been finding times throughout the day mm-hmm. where I can fit it in. But it is definitely best to do it first thing in the morning.
0: Yeah, I found um, extended periods of my recovery to um, be most beneficial to do it first thing in the morning. Like When I didn't have all this stuff going on and my only focus was school, I'd wake up at like 5.30. I wouldn't make coffee. I wouldn't touch my phone. I would sit and meditate. For 20 minutes. And then I would read for like 30 minutes. <clears throat> Since then things have changed and like there's all this chaos and now it's like, and I talked to James about this a lot and it, cause like we kind of like mentor each other a little bit and um, <clears throat> I feel like I'm like squeezing it in, right? I'm like, where can I fit my meditation into my uh, day
2: uh,
0: instead of the rest of my this. day Fitting into my meditation practice. That's right. Um, but like Tommy said, it's not about feeling good or blissful or quieting your mind. It's about acknowledging what's present. Right? So if you're mad or angry or going through conflict with your significant other or parents or whoever it might be, it's about meeting those feelings with compassion or acceptance or tolerance, Right? How can you be compassionate towards something so difficult, but you can tolerate that discomfort and sit with it for a little, uh, an extended period of time? It's practice, man. That's what they call practice. So how um, how did you find the when in those early days of like kind of getting your feet wet with Mm -hmm. Refuge Recovery? How did you find the balance with the twelve step? fellowship and both and refuge recovery because you're very active in refuge recovery now
3: yeah I'm the secretary for Asheville now. and uh I think that that was um kind of hard to find that balance at first um because I do I do feel like you know like we've said a few times here like connection is the opposite of addiction and um Balancing, like, I already had a strong community in 12 step program, hmm. um, but I wanted to develop a meditation practice too. Um, and so, pretty much, I just split it down the middle. Mm-hmm. It was like I was going to meetings every day because after I relapsed, I was like, All right, um, I need to go to meetings every day for a while.
0: I know what I need to do. Yeah, it's I know. That, to do like,
3: I'm gonna, you know, play it safe and not like slack and. Go to meetings every single day like I did the other times I stayed clean
2: Back to basics.
3: Yeah, exactly back to basics back to like You know being humble and recognizing like just because I had time before doesn't mean like I don't need to do the things again um, That bring me peace and serenity and Yeah, so my I have a sponsor in in a 12-step program and um You know, he was totally supportive of me doing Refuge, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and reckon, Because I don't feel like I would have a meditation practice if it wasn't for Refuge. Yeah. It gave me the uh, space and the support and community and the accountability to have people to meditate with um, on just about a daily basis in Asheville. Because mm-hmm. we have meetings every day. Because, like I said, it's really hard for me to sit by myself. But when I'm in a space with people who are also sitting and have, you know, are also meditating, it's a lot easier for me to, like, do it. And to experience
0: that presence in the group setting empowers you to do it on your own. Exactly. At home. Yeah.
2: I get that. I mean, I'm very intrigued because I'm like, maybe I need to check this out. Like, I had no idea that's what it was about. But I struggle with a meditation practice inside my own program. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And, and uh, for me, I think it's about just wanting to get centered with myself. Like you said, I have the, the connections, but I need a con- an inner connection. Mm. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah. That was, I can relate a lot to that. I've yeah. always been a social butterfly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when it too. comes to like sitting at my house by myself... And not, like, being on social media the whole time and just, like, being okay with being by myself, it's, like, still, like, ugh, this is hard, (laughs) you know?
0: But meditating both at Refuge Recovery and probably in your personal life has brought insight into that aspect of your life. Yeah. To where, like, when you do get restless at home and you're checking your phone every five minutes, you're aware of it. Yeah, yeah. And whether you choose to do the right thing or not. Yeah. Right? Well it's also yeah. made
3: me allowed me to be more compassionate towards myself mm-hmm. whenever I am in that and not like get into a shame cycle of why am I doing this? Beating myself up. Like beating myself up isn't gonna help me at all. And meditation has really allowed me to to whenever I have thoughts, you know, just be like, Okay, there's thoughts or whenever I have crazy thoughts or any like label thoughts, it's like I've learned to be compassionate with them and like Mm -hmm. not beat myself up for them
0: and disconnect and know that it's not personally identify with those thoughts exactly yeah that's not that's not tommy yeah that's my mind doing its thing my crazy mind i'm gonna sit over Mm -hmm. here and meditate it can do whatever whatever it wants Mm yeah what um how what was your progression like through this refuge recovery program like you started going to meetings did you like um, really dive into like the mentorship process and get a mentor. Start working on your inventories, that sort of thing.
3: Yeah, I did both the first two inventories, mm-hmm. and um,
0: did, and you had already been through the, the twelve step. Yes, at that time, so you'd already done like the four step and yeah, step. yeah. How can, how would you compare that process between the two programs?
3: Um. Very similar. I would say that the the refuge um, inventory does go more in depth to some things, mm-hmm. but for any any twelve step or refuge you're doing, it's all about how much you're willing to put down or how much you're ready to put down.
0: How how deep are you? Yeah, ready how to deep go. you're ready to
3: go. Yeah. And um, but the questions are do you touch on you know a lot of different areas in there. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you share those with another person, or do you share them and process those thoughts during meditation?
3: Uh, With another person. They call it a mentor in that program. Okay. Yeah.
0: As opposed to like a sponsor, a sponsor who's more mm-hmm. like, I've heard it kind of quoted as like the sponsor is somewhat more authoritative, like Ginger, today you're going to do this, or, you know, <laughs> uh, a mentor is more of like a spiritual friend, somebody that you connect with on a spiritual level that will kind of like walk through the process with you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how... Um, how they word it so.
2: well sponsors are only supposed to be there to help you guide through this yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. they do carry a lot of uh, authority yeah i i think the overall perception is but i would
0: not there's know. a lot of different have. kinds of sponsors out there yeah
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah um so going through all of this right um staying active in 12 Steps, really diving into Refuge, working on your daily practice, living an ethical lifestyle. At what point did you, like, begin to, f- like, what were you doing for, like, employment throughout all of this process? Did you get back into the field? Or were you just, like, doing?
3: I did some labor for a little bit mm-hmm. just to, you did some labor for a little bit to not, like, to just focus on recovery. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then pretty quickly I did get back in the mental health field. What
0: led up to that? Like, what? what
3: uh a friend from um refuge actually mm-hmm. worked at a facility um it was a a teen it is a teen um boarding school for teens in recovery male and I'm a mentor there that's what my label is a mentor oh. yeah
2: so you kind of feel like um i think for me because i've come in and out of the field too sometimes it's like um, I need to take a mental health break. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. You know what I'm
2: saying? Like, um, I, I've got so much going on um, in my own recovery, as well as like trying to help other people and work with other people. That sometimes you just have to like pull yourself away from it and rein yourself in. You know what I'm saying? But then um, I think it's like we're drawn to it, like it's a calling, like we have a purpose. You know, like we didn't go through all this pain for no reason, and um, and it's obvious that you know you have a deep connection I wanted to say when you were talking about taking those men out in the wilderness just how powerful that is because it's so hard for men it's so hard for young boys it's so hard for that um gender to share openly without consequences or guilt or shame or you're not supposed to cry or there's such a social expectation that um those things aren't acceptable and those are the things that cause the most inward damage for us so I think it's um it's obvious that uh you know, the pathway that you took led you into psychology. I think that's ironic, Mm -hmm. you know. Working with
0: these kids, um, as a mentor, do you see yourself in Uh. a lot of them?
3: Oh, yeah. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's where it's really helpful for me, um, to just meet them where they're at, Mm -hmm. knowing where I was at at that age. Um, and... Having like having fun like I think my my main thing there that I enjoy to do is like show them that recovery can be fun. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and I don't
3: even need to try like hard to do that. Just like by being me, it kind of comes out.
2: That's amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful that like you're able to kind of provide that example to them,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and still have fun. And like the f- like the few times that I've seen seen you personally over like the last year and a half you've had you the kids with you right they're uh, like yeah. at like at the retreat or at um the conference a few months back like you've been able to like incorporate that into your recovery mm-hmm. and offer these um options to them and to like show them what else is out there
2: and an example by sight yeah mm-hmm. and that's what they need you know
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and that's powerful that you can let them have fun and recovery that's yeah. really cool
0: what's uh what's a day a day in the life of Tommy
3: on the job like now uh well I, for a while I was taking him backpacking actually over the <laughs> weekends and that's one like I'm I would I would label myself an environmentalist to a degree so one of my like passions is to share my love for um the you know nature with other people yeah. so that they kind of start to care about it and uh you know not want to destroy
0: <laughs> every it every
2: day is earth day
3: back to pl-
0: exactly. back
3: to planting the seeds that we started this conversation
0: yeah. off an hour
2: yeah. or two
3: ago
0: yeah.
2: and so just cool. like
3: watching them like drop in kind of like I feel whenever I go out in the woods um and just kind of cuz it can be hectic in the building uh with like you know 15 teenagers living in the same building and yeah. uh so, I mean, we'll just do a lot of fun stuff. We'll go and we'll go to meetings, you know, go to um baseball games, go to hockey games, uh have have groups. Um Yeah.
2: Do you expose them to a bunch of multiple pathways?
3: Uh it's still primarily 12 step for sure, but we we've have had some people go through there that refuge was their uh let's go. Cool. Yeah, what they resonated with the most. Mhm. Yeah. What
0: else is, what else besides, like, these programs and pathways is, influences your recovery? Like, you mentioned, like, being outside. Like, what, paint me the picture of your approach, other than these specific programs that we've talked about.
3: Huh. Um...
0: Biking across the state of California. I I mean ph- photography, photography has and photography and has you become got
3: some a dope big, pictures, man. Yeah, that like that creative outlet has definitely become a um, a tool for me. Um to like ex- you know, express myself in that fashion. And um having fun, man. I mean really just having fun, connecting with people. I mean that's what's been hard for me is I just started grad school and Uh, I'm still go on and tell us about that because I was going down that road, man. So I started grad school, um, Uh, studying, studying clinical mental health counseling. There uh you go. And still working full time, um, in a relationship, still going to meetings. So like my my social life before was just like tons of free time, Mm -hmm. and uh, now it's like I gotta you know I gotta like put stuff in my phone. (laughs) like this is due at this time and like i'm meeting this my sponsor this day like just like i need i have such a rigid schedule now Uh um and part of me really is enjoying it but for the longest time i i was i was like structure and rigidity is the devil like i Uh thought it was just (laughs) i was terrified of being like suffocated in that like Uh a lot of having a lot of uh,
2: responsibility,
3: yeah, responsibility, commitment, all those things really mm-hmm. scared me. Do You
0: think that was like an internal thing or was, it, was that like more like your connection with like the outdoors and nature and kind of like a free spirited
3: I think it just took its path I don't think it was good or bad, mm-hmm. you know like that's my Buddhism coming out right there <laughs> like there's no good or bad, it just kind of is um, it just kind of uh, I was just at a point where like if I wanted to move forward in certain areas I had to make commitments mm-hmm. and um if I kept traveling and kept drifting, then, like, I would always get to a point of, like, well, what do I do now? What's next?
2: <laughs> well, and you identified the instability and the week on, week off, week on, week off. Like, it, it took you back and forth on that seesaw. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so, so that that really helped me see, that was too, your that, like, it's point. time to, what would be best for me now is to find some stability and structure and structure and commitment.
2: So you can go to refuge recovery and you don't have to be a Buddhist. You can go there just to learn meditation.
3: Oh, yeah. You don't have to be a Buddhist. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, you can just, anybody can come check it out. And that's the thing about refuge is we have people that are there for codependency, eating disorder, um, you know, exercise addiction. Uh, it's it's not just substance abuse. Uh, yeah.
0: Have you done any more traveling?
3: I went to, uh, we went to the Smokies today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's like a yeah. foreign land to you, uh-huh. huh?
3: I uh, went to Colorado. I've known this guy for like
0: a little over two years. And I'm like, dude, you got to come out here, man. Let me know. I live at the top of Coley He Mountain, does, man. Let he me does know. Every that. time I see him, I'm like, when you coming out? He's then like, he we're gonna do it. Call we're gonna do it. You're going to put that on your calendar. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Can you pencil us in?
3: I'll put. am not. I'm not calling you out on that. I page think page. Uh, what I've come to now is like recognizing that I don't need to leave a particular town in order to have adventure and like explore. Wow. Yeah. That can be an internal.
0: We also put on your bio that traveling and seeing, visiting national parks is uh, something yeah. that you're like super interested in. Yeah.
3: It'll come back. Yeah. When I, I mean my life is just like I said, it's so structured right now. Uh, you know, probably on my like between semesters and stuff, I'll definitely travel.
2: But it's what's working for you right now because right now you've got what 19 months? Yeah, yeah, it's so what's working for you right now. Yeah, it's working. And it's okay to stay that close to the ground right now. Yeah, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, it feels right.
2: Yeah, it feels right. And as you get stronger, it'll loosen up a little bit more. And then it'll get a little crazy again, yeah. and then it'll loosen up a little more. Like, you hit that five year mark, and you <laughs> like what. <laughs>
0: What, um, after school, man, what are your, like, professional goals? What do you, what do you see in the future?
3: Mm, I'm not, I, I haven't looked that far ahead. I mean, the nice thing about being in Asheville and being in the mental health community is, uh, I know a fair bit of people, uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, work at facilities. And so I, I do feel like finding a job would be pretty
1: mm-hmm.
3: effortless whenever I get my degree. Mm-hmm. And, um. So getting a job and then down the road, you know, maybe opening a place, a private practice, the uh, possibilities are endless.
0: Yeah. I'm still, like, stuck on the fact that, like, this, like, kid from the big city <laughs> oh. has such a connection to nature, well, to the outdoors. Well, there is the Poconos and, out there. Like,
2: have you ever been to the Poconos?
3: I have been out there, yeah.
2: They're beautiful. Yeah.
3: I used to go out to, like, my uh, aunt and uncle had a cabin out in... Out in the out in the woods, so I would mm-hmm. go out there when I was young. And uh yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't know what it was. Just uh, can't pinpoint it.
2: He picked the right place to land, though. This is a great place oh, to yeah. heal. Asheville sure. is a beautiful. It's place It's a good to place heal. to
3: not be traveling too much. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean yeah. I did Lots the same thing. Yeah. I did the same thing. I left Florida, but like, I always had that connection to the outdoors. We grew up on the water fishing. We grew up on the beach. I grew up surfing. Like. I was always out there just a different environment flatlands mm, serpent sand in my toes that sort of that sort of lifestyle so like it was a natural fit when I found recovery to come here and, and kind of get away um, I don't know I just I'm stuck on that
1: <laughs> like I
0: love it I love it dude cuz like he's the like me if you met him on the street, you would think that you're from Asheville. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The Chacos. Yeah, it's the, yeah, the Chacos. <laughs> if you weren't wearing your Pittsburgh Pirates hat, you would like totally think that he's from from Asheville. Oh, I, have of...
2: to, I have to give a huge shout out to my son. He is a tr- I mean, a drastic fanatic for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, like nice. he posts everything. <laughs> he wears all their clothes. He gets all suited up. His Facebook is plastered with it. So you have a number one fan, I'm sure.
0: There you go. <laughs> what, um, what would you say to somebody that's like trying to investigate discover their pathway like how would you suggest because you're someone who uses multiple pathways yeah who's into in tune with the outdoors and nature and that plays a a large influence in um what you're doing like how, how would you suggest somebody find discover what works for them
3: i think what comes up for me is just being honest with people and um like being honest with themselves and being honest with people. Like if something doesn't resonate with them, sharing that with them and uh not without fear of Yeah, without like, fear of like the person being like, Well, this is the only way. <laughs> you know, so you have to do this. Yeah. And uh, cause that's not true. That's not true anymore. Um and you know, twelve steps, you know, if I do everything in twelve steps, like it does work sure, for me. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, And refuge has, you know, I do believe like if I just went to refuge and I did all the work and did, you know, all the meditation and went to meetings consistently and had a community that would work for me too. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, so I think just like exploring as many paths as possible Mm -hmm. and, and seeing like what feels right for them.
2: And where the acceptance is, like who, who accepts that? Um, th- this may not be the only way mm-hmm. you know there are people in every pathway who are open minded to different pathways not everyone is a one way mm-hmm. pathway Nazi mm-hmm. like you're going to find someone in there and it's about I think it's about willingness to share where you are um, it allows other people the rooms to identify and, and say you know you might want to try this out or you might want to try that out you know um, and I
0: think that it's like it's important to you know as we learn through these like Buddhist practices that like you know I myself, including my recovery,'m always evolving and I'm always changing, and mm-hmm. I need to be open to that mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. And, like um if I'm getting to, getting to know Caleb and talking with Caleb, and he's pushing me to go run a marathon maybe I should try to like run a couple laps around the thing and see what it's like you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like you take these take these tools test them out and see if that will work for me right now because when I first first started it was like it was refuge recovery like I was that's all I did Mm -hmm. you know I didn't do stuff like this I didn't talk to people like you yeah you know what I mean I didn't have friends like you because like it just wasn't in my wheelhouse I wasn't open to Mm -hmm. like even hearing it because I experienced Mm -hmm. the relief of what this had to offer Mm -hmm. like I I experienced I did this it worked so I Mm -hmm. stuck with it right Mm -hmm. and I wasn't open to these other Mm -hmm. other pathways because I found what worked Mm -hmm. but that was like almost four years ago mm-hmm. right times I'm this, they are I'm a not changing. the same person out of that i was exactly. four years ago and i have to work on developing new tools mm-hmm. as i grow mm-hmm. right i keep talking about this and i i will keep talking about it that like this show mm-hmm. has become my recovery mm-hmm. to be able to sit down with people like you two and develop these intimate relationships mm-hmm. and have these conversations is a part of my recovery. And Tommy was talking about, like, that that guilt and that shame. And, like, you know, six months ago, I kind of, like, slipped off my meditation practice for, like, a little bit of time. And I would just, like, beat myself self up over it. Like, Steve, you know it works. Mm-hmm. It's worked for you. Mm-hmm. You're not doing it. But at the same time, I was developing this show, and I was having these com- amazing conversations with people like you guys, and really mm-hmm. getting to know you guys, building that connection mm-hmm. that we speak of every single day. And so, like, even though I wasn't doing that, mm-hmm. I was s- develop still developing mm-hmm. in my relation in my recovery, just. In a different way, you're but,
2: creating another pathway. I was creating
0: another pathway, but it took me like a period of time to to recognize
2: that. Mm-hmm. I think our um, I think as we grow, I mean, I think. It, the all-time powerful symbol, you know, is a tree. Like we, um, if we want to grow, we don't grow just straight up one way. You know, we develop and we open up and we branch off. And we, and, and I know for me in my own recovery, like that's what's happened for me. Like as I've grown, times they are changing. You know what I'm saying? The, mm-hmm. the people that we serve, because um, I work in the recovery field, the people that we serve, the, the acceptance level of meeting people where they're at, like through syringe exchanges and, and, um, and fentanyl testers, and Narcan, and and um, naloxon. You know that the the avenues that we're taking to assist people with this disease and the consequences of this disease are um, are different. They look very different than what they were like when I first got clean. You know what I'm saying? When I first came into recovery, and um, so as I grow, I find tolerance and acceptance for those pathways. And and then, it, you know, when I come to the table with people like this, like it piques my interest. Like my interests are piqued, you know? Like I'm like, I'm, I need to go check this out. Like I need to see if I can sit still for 20 minutes, you know? I need to see what happens when I sit still for 20 minutes. and um, and And I know that for me, it's about Jesus Christ. Like it's about God. My belief system, but it doesn't mean that I can't sit still for twenty minutes and be open to someone else's perspective. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, and, and so that, and that's how you know that you have growth is when you're more tolerant, tolerant and accepting of other people and other pathways and other opportunities that allow you the ability to grow. Like I can't do anything if I can learn to sit still for twenty minutes. I can't sit still in here. And so if I can sit still for 20 minutes, then that's a that's a growth for me. That's an accomplishment for me. So how can I knock that? You know what I'm saying? How can I not try to explore that? For me, it's a challenge. And I think all of us, when we get into this recovery thing, we want a challenge like Caleb so wants a challenge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's yeah. like the challenge identifier. And uh-huh. and I want to I do want to touch on that before we leave, because he's not here tonight. You know, he's running this this race and he's raising money for opioid awareness and he's got to go fund me pays for Res hope and. He's really been getting to the grind like I could not fathom. Caitlin's like stepped up to the plate and ran 30 something miles with him. Like I couldn't fathom. It takes all I've got to to run a mile and walk to, you know, (laughs) and it's out of my comfort zone. But I support what they do and I have a desire to get healthy and I don't know how to do it. So I'm watching them, you know, I'm learning and and their desire to be limitless. To not put a limit on their own um, recovery or their own abilities has given me a desire to push myself, to have the same perception about myself, to be open to, to you know what I'm saying, to do something different. And, um, and I will say that when I've walked more, and I've started, and when I started to run more than just walk, I was like, oh, wow, I'm doing it. Like, I'm really doing <laughs> it. Like, I'm really running. Like, I ran the whole bridge at Lake Junaluska more than once. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I really did it. It's possible. You know? Yeah. And, um, and if I can do it, that whole weight loss and health thing is like recovery. Like, if mm-hmm. I can do it, anybody can do it. You know.
0: There's so many aspects to it, man.
2: Yeah. Steven still like, I'm not running. Yeah. but that's okay where does it start it's okay though you can start by watching me
0: (laughs) I'll eat I'll eat healthy I'll start with there oh there you go
2: (laughs) see you're doing better than I am
0: what else you got Tommy before I put you on the spot oh
3: yeah Uh. (laughs) yeah I mean I, I would like to say as far as refuge is concerned um I feel like it really has brought me more into, like I shared before, like it's brought me more into my body and helped my impulse control. um, Mm -hmm. Because whenever I'm meditating consistently and um, it it helps me to, because whenever I'm meditating, like I want to react, like I want to itch, you know, like I want to, I want to itch that mosquito bite. And anytime I don't do that, I don't respond to that desire to itch. It kind of like gives me more power throughout the day to not act impulsively and not, um, you know, to respond rather than react.
2: Mm-hmm. And- That's good stuff.
3: Yeah, and that, that, makes, that makes for a lot less amends at the end of the day. Um, and a lot more clarity in my actions and like other like um we shared before, a lot of people I've seen in refuge are people that have been in twelve step programs for like ten, fifteen years over. Mm-hmm. And they were just looking for the next phase 11. of their development mm-hmm. and um and they found that in refuge. And um, you know, I don't know if I'll ever at this point I don't know what the future brings for me. Um, I have no desire to get out of twelve step or refuge. I wanna continue both. Um But it is cool to see something popping up that is really helping a lot of people. And I have seen people get sober in refuge, um, you know, like, like yourself, but uh, um, that said that they just couldn't stand 12 step meetings. There's something about it. I don't know what it was, but something about it. They just didn't want to go back and refuge did work for them and they kept coming Mm -hmm. back.
2: It's hard, but it's okay
0: mm mm-hmm. Most beautiful, man I appreciate you coming on and uh
2: you're amazing.
3: Thank yeah. you yeah, yeah could
0: come on. opening that up, so we're gonna wrap it up with uh, a little segment that we like to do at the end of the show where I will show you a couple pictures from your Instagram page uh- and I would like for you to kind of describe to the to the audience. What the pic? What is taking place in the picture? Okay. and then tell us a little bit of the story behind the picture, like what's happening, where were you at at this point in your life, that sort of thing. Okay, you ready?
3: Yeah. Oh, that one there—that's <laughs> uh, that's up on Black Balsam. Mm-hmm. I was hiking with my friends. Sam. What, what
0: what's what is the picture? Describe what it what's. Oh, like. describe what it is. So the 'cause because for the audience that can't see it,
3: it's me with my shirt off and sunglasses. Barefoot. Uh-huh. With a winter hat on. <laughs> oh yeah. So this was in the fall. So yeah. I had to get my winter tan in before gotcha.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. before it got really cold.
3: <laughs> so I had to take my shirt off and um get that vitamin D in before it was too cold. And the foliage up there is incredible. If nobody's ever been to Black Balsam in this area, that's one of the best hikes. That's part of the AT. Um yeah, so I was just enjoying the wilderness and being stoic up on top of a mountain.
0: Love it, bro. All right. Next photo is that one right there.
3: That is Northern California on my on my bike tour heading north. Uh So I got my I got my sleeping bag. So you can see the the lineup of my bike and how I set everything up. Like I would put the tent and the uh, sleeping bag in the back and then the panniers on the side. And yeah, that was Northern California on my bike tour. And I still, despite biking the whole country, I still had chicken legs the whole time. (laughs) I did not gain any muscle or anything the whole time. So I don't know how to... How many, how many
0: how many miles did you put in
3: per day? Per day, over, that says oh, like, per day s- like 80.
0: 80 a day?
3: 80 was a high mile. It was like 50 to 80. Okay. Yeah. Look at you go. Dude, that's awesome, man. I got purple burnt, though. I, have you rode much since then? Besides, like... Not since I got my license back. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> a time thing, for sure. All right, dude. Last photo, man. Right here. Oh, that was whenever we had that cold streak. Uh out here and looking glass froze and um i was by myself set up a tripod and took a shot of me if you guys in western north carolina remember whenever we had like it was a harsh winter man yeah and people said that they haven't seen it freeze like that uh, like ever oh, i believe it dude I yeah believe it. it was almost frozen over
0: yeah, the glenville dam right behind my house did the same thing and I, everybody up there that's been there forever says they haven't seen it like that ever yeah uh, my uh i came home from work one day my pipes burst during that, that oh adventure. Man. It was yeah brutal. that happened so, to a lot of people yeah it was brutal awesome well uh we'll go ahead and post these uh pictures on our website when we release this episode so that the listeners can check it out um Put you ta- my, uh, well, I'm going to tell you, you take some page. pretty sick pictures. So you want to share with everybody how they
3: can find you and yeah,
0: see I some of these pictures? Mm-hmm.
3: It's uh, trials underscore N underscore trails. Trials and trails. Trials and trails. Check it out. He's got some amazing photos,
0: and I'm sure there's only a ton more to come. So,
3: Yeah, with school and uh, work, it's been It's been slowing down a little bit, but... You
0: got some shots today, right?
3: That's true. That is true.
0: Keep pushing you to come out here, man. Before the summer's over. It'll happen. Come out. All right, bro. Again, man, very grateful that you came on and uh, shared with us and everybody. Your approach, your story, it's beautiful, man. Thanks for having me.
2: You burned my flame. (laughs) Fan my flame, my desire. I'm going to check it out.
0: Thank you guys for listening to NC Raw. Uh, The NC Raw family would like to thank today's musical contributors, Rival, whose work can be found on Facebook, SoundCloud, and YouTube by searching Rival727. And my man, Alvin Hooks, whose work is on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Hooks. All of our content is available by visiting our website at www.ncraw.life. While you're there, be sure to subscribe by dropping your email address in the little subscriber box so you can receive exclusive content offers that will be sent right to your inbox. Every time we release a show or exclusive content, we'll email it right out to you. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and now Instagram at WNCRaw.